You are now listening to the All Right Talk Show with me, your host, Shane Trainer. Get insider knowledge as we explore the world of business, travel, property, investing, healthy mindsets, and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the All Right Talk Show. This week I have Lewis Harding joining me, who you may remember from a previous episode I did where I had the pleasure to talk with UK stockbroker Free Trade. Lewis is an accountant by day and investor in multiple asset classes by night or 24-7, however you like it. He has been featured in the Financial Times and the Telegraph, as well as many other articles. Lewis, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing, mate? Uh, thank you very much for having me on again, Shane. Much appreciated. Uh, happy to come on and have a good chat with you about all things investing. Yeah, smart. Well, well, yeah, I loved uh, getting you involved in free trade and uh, pretty buzzing from that. So I thought uh, I've got to get you on and uh, get your own little episode in. So, yeah, no, happy to uh, have you on, mate. So awesome. So, yeah, we'll just start then about a bit about yourself, what you do. Um, so you're an accountant by day, a trainee accountant. So just talk to us. A little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm I'm Lewis Harding. I'm 23 years old from uh, from Leeds uh, in Yorkshire. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, I'm a trainee accountant. Currently doing my chartered accountancy exams, um, which take a couple of years to do. But alongside that, uh, I have a big passion for all things investing, uh, be it property, stock market, um, Bitcoin, gold, uh, and other other various asset classes. I just have a very big interest in. In investing in general, um, and over the past two years, I've educated, self-educated myself. Uh, I've learned about different types of investing through, you know, basically self-education online, um, mostly through YouTube and podcasts, but there's also been some um, stuff, you know, online on Google as well as some books. So yeah, that's a brief summary about myself. Um, I'm just a, an ordinary bloke um, who's got a big passion for investing, really. Yeah, I love it, mate. Now what? <clears throat> Well, actually, you know, I, I, I'd normally do talk shows in a bit of an order where, like, I'd ask what you do and then how you got into it. But you know, I'm just going to go straight into it here and go, what was your first, what's the first thing you invested in? Was it the stock market or something else? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing I really invested in was it was in 2017. Um, I was 19 years old and I invested in some Canadian cannabis companies. Um I have been going a bit further back. I've always been interested in numbers and stuff and going to accountancy. I've always been a numbers-focused person. And I don't know how the stock market just sort of kind of fell into my lap. I was always interested in it. I wanted to learn a bit more. Um, but I kind of learned the wrong way, as I would usually say. <laughs> I, I, I caught on a bit of a trend. Um, essentially, at the end of 2017, early 2018, uh, California was looking to legalise marijuana. Um, and as you can imagine, like at the moment, what's happening with, you know, Dogecoin and what's, what happened with GameStop, mm. there was an absolutely big bubble um, at the end of 2017. Um, and it went absolutely crazy. And I made a bit of money doing that. I knew absolutely nothing about stocks. Um, I actually got the ideas from listening to another podcast called The True Jolly Podcast. Yeah. Um, there was a guy who went on there speaking about um, 
he was like, he used to work in stocks and trade and stuff. And he was speaking about Canadian cannabis companies, how cannabis is going to be the next biggest thing. And I was like, oh my God, 19-year-old Lewis was like, let's get on this. So um, I set up a DJRO account. It's it's a broker, um, but mostly in, in Europe now, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I bought my first stock, which was Afria uh, Incorporated. So mm. um, I was very lucky. I managed to make some decent money on the stocks, but it was not investing. It was pure gambling, to be totally honest. Um, and yeah, I think I made about 80% of what I put in. Um, so I got lucky. I could have lost it all. Because yeah. you can look at the chart and it absolutely came down like a year after. So I got lucky. But from that experience, after that, I didn't actually invest again for 18 months because I just self-educated on what I needed to do properly. Um, so I was one of the lucky ones. I made some money. Fantastic. Great. But then I used that experience and then taught myself properly. That's very interesting because obviously you got in the market um, just by pure chance. You was lucky. You picked uh, the right the right market, uh, the cannabis market. You got in. You made some money, and you could have easily like you know a lot of people will they'll get lucky, kind of like gambling at a casino. Get lucky, do it again, do it again, but keep losing. So what made you think? Well, that was lucky. Um, instead of doing it again, what made you think? I'm going to go away and educate myself on how to actually invest? Was it because you thought, okay, I made some money from this. I'm going to see if I can do this quite seriously. Was that your thought process on that one? Yeah, that was part of the thought process. I think it was a case if I made some decent money and actually buy, managed to buy my second car because um, I used to have like an old grey Peugeot uh, 2002 player and the beat is <laughs> maybe a bit irrelevant, but the beast of the East came in 2018. You might yeah. remember. remember. Um, it was March 2018. It was really cold for like a month, like the minuses for ages. And I'll, the I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest. I um I was in Australia soaking up the sun during that time. <laughs> so you're the wrong person to ask about the beast yeah. of the East. It was like all over the news. It was like yeah. It was clearly it was clearly no no decent news on because it's all spoke about from uh, the beast of the East. <laughs> It's this weather, this is coming. But yeah, the car froze over, I had to buy a new car. So essentially, I used the proceeds of my um, lucky cannabis shares um, and bought my car. So, fun story there for you. Yeah, <laughs> but, <that's> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, essentially, because I made the money on it, I knew that this was, I don't know, I just knew that this wasn't right. I just knew that after making some money, I needed to real, I needed to, you know, sit down and realize this isn't how it should be done. Um, at the time, I made my money. I didn't have, after that, I didn't have any, actually, have any money to invest. So because I didn't have the money to invest after buying the car, I was like, right, okay, what can I, can I kind of do now? I can now just keep reading about investing, buy some books. Um, YouTube has been probably the best resource, to be totally honest. Um, there's so many good creators out there from people, you know, starting out all the way until, you know, more advanced stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of it. I made some money. I bet I needed to educate myself on how to do things properly. And I think I just knew that I, I don't think I was daft enough to know that this can happen every time. Um, although I got very, very lucky. Don't get me wrong. I was very, very lucky to make the money I did. I just realised at the end of it that it was a bad decision. Held my hands up and yeah. went away and did something about it. Yeah, that's brilliant. And it's. I think... It's good that you had that mindset to go, hold on a minute, like I'm going to learn how to do this properly. And, you know, what is it, three years later, um, no, four years, nearly four years later, you 
you're quite profitable at the moment, I'd say, because I, I, I follow your your monthly investment portfolio updates and it seems your education is is paying off and obviously letting that compound and um so that which is obviously fantastic so so talk about uh yeah a bit about your investment portfolio then and and how you're kind of growing that nice and slowly yeah so essentially um trying to think when i started recording my progress it was from I think it was May last year. So when I got furloughed last year for a month, I decided to you know start my investing in Instagram and stuff. Um, and that's when I started to really, you know, take seriously recording my portfolio progress and really start structuring it in a way that it by you know showing the world what I do, it's keeping me accountable in some ways because I'm having to show the world what I'm doing. So it needs to be right. Um, because before before I actually had that portfolio, I, I think I was investing in about 10 stocks. Um, but I actually liquidated everything and then created this portfolio. So that's essentially where this has come from. I decided that I needed to have some proper structure to it, where if I get some money in, in a month, you know, say from a monthly paycheck, I then go into invest it in my portfolio in whatever way I decide to. Um, but essentially my portfolio is a selection of different assets. It's basically everything but property, because I find property quite hard to record in terms of like in a portfolio, because yeah. it's a bit dubious, because you'd have to basically take the value of the property and you never really know what that is sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it's quite hard to keep all as one big tracker, but whereas everything I've got on there is very easily trackable on a spreadsheet. So essentially the portfolio is just a selection of different assets, give it um, individual stocks, um, index funds, ETFs, um, Bitcoin, gold ETF, um, but I've also got my own listed investments in the, on there as well, which is equity crowdfunding um, using Crowdcube, the, the crowdfunding website. So it's just a big selection of assets. And what I've learned over the years is educate myself on the different types of assets and why I own it. And I know exactly why I own everything I do. There's not one thing in there that I don't own, I think, or I don't know what that is. Um, that's kind of one thing I've been a big believer of. If I don't understand it, I won't, I won't touch it. Um, or I'll go educate myself and then go ahead and go for it. So that's kind of a gist of it. I'm not just about the stock market. I'm about all different types of investments and making them work for you. Um, it's just about understanding it and then knowing why you're investing in it and know what returns you're going to get from it. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're, you're tracking it and you can really get on top of your investments because it's like it's like managing your finances, isn't it, really? It's, it's very vital and important and knowing what's going in, what's coming out, your profits, your losses and uh, everything in between. Um, yeah, which is fantastic. But just quickly backtracking to equity crowdfunding. So you just want to explain that to, to people that are listening to this show and they may have not had much exposure to that or they're not sure what that is. Um, would I be right? Because I know what it is, but would I be right in saying that it's if you want to get involved in companies um, before they're even thinking about IPOing, or just want to grow essentially, don't they? Yeah, so essentially equity crowdfunding, what it is, it's it's seed slash very early stage businesses, or you could even class growth businesses as well. They issue shares and then in issue shares to investors. Um, so the investors pay them for the shares and they raise the capital to go grow the business essentially that's basically the gist of it um, so what it does as well it gives you know normal people like you and me um, the opportunity to invest in these early businesses whereas 
let's say 10 years ago, crowdfunding wasn't even a real thing. I think Crowdcube's only been around for 10 years or so. Um, so Crowdcube and Seed is the two big platforms in the UK. Um, so before that, if you wanted to invest in an early stage company, you had to be quite wealthy. You had to be part of a venture capital firm or family office um, because these investors got the opportunities to invest in these early stage businesses. And the reason why these are quite lucrative is because um, from in when you invest in an early stage business, um, the research can, can be quite lucrative. lucrative. Mm. Um, so there's just never been an opportunity for the individual investor to invest in these type of businesses. Um, and that's why you're seeing more and more people invest in them. So such as Free Trade, they've done, I think it's six rounds on Crowdcube now. Um, and they generally do one every year. Um, and there's other companies like Monzo have done one, Revolut did one back in the day, um, quite a lot of finance companies, um, who else, Brewdog, quite famously, as well have done one. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, let's just say it's a 21st century way, it's a, it's a very 21st century thing, it's very new equity crowdfunding, so I probably went on a bit there, but that's kind of a gist. No, that's brilliant, and yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up, so yeah, I mean, if people did want to get involved with early companies, uh, because, you know, I have a look on there every now and again and just to see what's up there. And I mainly look at companies that it's, I could see myself using, using it, but not just that. It's also like, Oh, that would be good. that will be cool. Like, I don't know. I've seen like a virtual business card thing, uh, which there's plenty out there, but I thought, Oh, I think it's kind of cool, but can I see the mass market using that? maybe not but you know other people would have another opinion but yeah it's good to see what's actually out there and to see what could potentially do really well and obviously you've uh, invested in free trade obviously who we had on um, a couple of weeks ago um and they're doing fantastic aren't they and obviously you're you think they potentially could go for an initial public offering at some point in the future which would see your money what what, what did you work it out like a couple of hundred percent return on your money yeah so as of as of right now um i think it's 198 percent them up um which is obviously fantastic but i honestly think free trade are in absolute very early stages uh so their current valuation from their series b round was 265 million pounds in the grand scheme of things that's still a very small valuation um i believe robin hood so actually revolutes for example revolute are doing some fundraising um from venture capitalists for their value valuation is 10 billion wow so they're obviously quite a different business so they're like a model bank but um a good example might be pension they have just been listed on the stock market and i think their valuation was like 300 million um but i think the best comparison would be robin hood whenever they do ipo their valuation is going to be in the billions and I think free trade is going to be Europe's answer to uh, Robin Hood, essentially. Um, I think when free trade do IPO, uh, whenever that is, I think it'll be, I think it'll be within three years. Um, could be wrong on that. Who knows? I think yeah, I think it'll be very lucrative. So for the especially for the early investors, I think they worked it out that some of the early investors there's there's millionaires between the people who invested in round one. Mm. Um, so I think. 
these people who have invested around 1 just ordinary people have maybe put 500 I don't know how much Fuller we'll had to put in and calculate it, yeah. but these people have been millionaires essentially from it. That's crazy. So it just goes to show if you back the right horse, um, you know, it, 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 it could pay dividends in the long run, of course. Uh, but that's the same with anything, isn't it? Um, any kind of calculated and calculated risks, I suppose, because you're right, like you could invest in some of these companies and they might bomb after a few years and you lose you lose your money, of course. But yeah, but you know, it's good. Obviously, you've you took a calculated risk because you could see the potential. Obviously, free trade is a um it's a it's a it's a, a uk stockbroker and it's it's free it's free shares and you can purchase shares for free um and there's there's, there's, there's no cost obviously they have a premium account um but yeah that's why the market the market needs something like that that's why i think you probably went yeah this is good i'll come back to this so yeah awesome mate awesome um so your investing strategy then you are I'd like to say you're a value investor. Am I correct in saying that, right? Yeah. So That's correct, yeah. I'm a, in terms of picking stocks, I'm a value investor. So talk to us what a value investor is. So it's the likes of like Warren Buffett, isn't it? His, and Benjamin Graham. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say very simply, a value investor is someone who likes to buy st statistically cheap stocks, um, whether that's... Um, buying essentially it's buying stocks lower than what you think their valuation is so the way i look at it is i like to buy i like to buy really good companies at a fair price um so i don't mind paying a decent amount for them but as long as it's a really good decent business but it's like in any investing if the, the lower you buy something or the better deal you get the more money you're gonna make it's just as simple as that yeah um you make your money when you buy it's classic saying in property. It's actually the same as stocks as well. Yeah. Um, especially, um, especially with stocks, you make your money when you buy. To be totally honest. Um, so yeah, essentially, value investor. You you calculate the valuation of a company. You know whatever valuation you think it is. Um, and then you, you basically want to be buying below what you think it's worth. Um, what, however much below you decide, it's up to your strategy. But for me. So I'd like I like to keep it really simple. I just like to invest in um, profitable companies. You know, they've been around for a long time, um, a good quality, low debt, high returns on capital. So internally, like a high return investment. Um, so yeah, that's basically it. You know, buying companies for less than what they're worth, and then over time, they should hit what they're worth, and that's how you make your good returns. Yeah, brilliant. So, how would I know this. There's, it's, it's probably quite difficult to do do this in a short explanation. How would you analyze a, a company then? Like, if just if a quick summary. Obviously, people can go and do some research from 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 this. But I mean, is it like the four pillars of of investing, stock investing? Yeah, so I'm going to do a shameless plug, but head over to my YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have plenty of these type of videos. I've got my how to analyze stocks video. Um, and then coming up is going to be how to value stocks. Um, so they, them two videos will go through quite a few concepts. But yeah, let's start the four pillars. These are my four pillars of stock investing. So the pillar number one is if I'm looking at a company, it has to be profitable, it has to have high return investment, and it has to have low debt. For various reasons. Um, I won't go into them too much. Um, 
Pillar number two is are the people running the company, are they, do they have equal measures of it, talent and integrity? So are they good at what they do and are they good people? Um, they're not taking the mick out of the company or as a shareholders. And then number three, I like to look for reinvestment opportunities and room to grow. So I like to look at the different metrics such as uh, revenue growth, cash flow growth, and then stuff like dividend growth and share buybacks. And then the fourth one is literally, like I said before, buy at a fair price. So I kind of, when I look at stocks, I use them four pillars, I then evaluate, and then that's basically done from there. And I've got it into a process now where it doesn't take me too long to do that. The longest part is actually learning about the management of the company because you've got to read through the financial statements. Yeah. But doing the numbers part, being an accountant myself, I've kind of got it streamlined quite well. Um, but I am getting some spreadsheets set up which can help people go along and do this, like with a checklist. So, you know, watch out for that because I'll have that out soon. Yeah, brilliant. And that's on your website, isn't it, Lewis Harding Invest? Yeah, lewishardinvest.com. Um, I'll, I'll have a section on there where you can just download all the spreadsheets. Um, yeah, so they'll be all on there for anyone who'd like to have a look. Yeah, I'll put that in the uh, the, uh, the talk show description uh, and uh, the YouTube uh, links at the bottom as well. So, yeah, wicked. Um, which also brings me on then, actually, because obviously you're a value investor and you like to look at a company's financials. Um you don't like IPOs, do you? What, what's your What's your favourite saying? IPO, IP no. <laughs> My favourite saying. <laughs> did, did you come up with that uh, yourself? I came. I don't know. It just came up in the head. IPO, IP no. Um, <laughs> it's just a nice catchy, nice catchy saying. I'm going to train about that. <laughs> I think you should get it on a t-shirt. I'd buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be all over that. Passionate about investing in property? Are you a beginner or a seasoned veteran wanting to learn more? Then Blue Ricks magazine is a perfect magazine for you. I know what you're thinking. Not another property magazine. Well, Blue Bricks subscribers get access to their bi-weekly private podcasts, monthly meetups, private YouTube library, digital download resources, and of course, bi-monthly print magazine, as well as their regular online articles. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Head over to bluebricksmagazine.com forward slash or our investor or click on the link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, IPOs then. So that's an initial public offering. So it's when a company goes onto the stock market, isn't it? To Again, it's another round of funding, really, essentially, isn't it? Because it's to for the company to get more money to to sell up, sell shares to, to like people at retail investors like, like us, because we're you and I are classed as retail investors. Um, so... Yeah, and you don't like IPOs because obviously they've got no financial records, uh, like no public financial records for that matter. So for someone like Microsoft, that's been trading what since the eighties, is it seventies, eighties, something like that. Um, they've got you can see that they've grown over time nicely, um, consistent. Uh, whereas I don't know, um, what was it? Airbnb came on the market. Obviously, it's it's a it's a Airbnb is very innovative. They don't own any property. Um, so, well, not that I know of anyway, but, you know, there's no financial backing, was there? So, like, you can't see anything, and that's why you stay away from IPOs. So do you want to just go a little bit more into, into that and your reasons behind that? Yeah, so like you said before, IPO is literally where a company decides to issue shares but onto the stock market. 
Um, recently, we've had a few big ones which have been actually classed as direct listings. So Coinbase and Airbnb are the two biggest ones recently. A direct listing is where there's no extra shares issued, but for people who own the shares can just sell them to the stock market. So this it's just directly done. Whereas initial public offering is where shares are issued to a market. So it's just a slight technical difference, but it's basically the same thing, to be totally honest. Stocks getting traded onto the market for the first time. The reason I don't like them is because I think they're really overhyped. And it's the job of the people who were you know, promoting the IPO. It's their job to get people excited and get people talking about it. Articles all the time. I saw Coinbase was doing quite a bit on YouTube. Um, it's it's a very easy news article. You know, it's a very easy clickbait thing to look at IPOs. And quite often, the vast majority of the time, the companies who are IPOing aren't profitable. Um, so when they start trading the shares, you're starting to talk about shares which are trading, but we're not actually making any profit or any money. Mm. Um, and that's one reason why I don't quite like them, because I think Coinbase is one of the only companies I've seen, which has interested me, which has been profitable. Um, but Coinbase has been ridiculously high as well, um, which is something else we could get onto. Um, that's one reason I'm, they're just too overhyped. Um, and when things are overhyped, it's often, it can often mean we're in a bubble, which is something I like to avoid, really. Um, but let's say if the numbers made sense and I did the numbers, everything ticked the box, feels a good valuation. Yeah, sure, I would, I would buy, but... There's not not one IPO I've seen. Um, and the big investors as well, I, I take a lot of inspiration um, and knowledge from the big investors, Warren Buffett. Um, I think there's been a, there's an IPO called Snowflake. He actually bought some shares in that. And I think that's the only IPO I've, I've seen Warren Buffett ever do. Um, so there's not many big investors that go into IPOs. So that's one reason I avoid them as well, because if the big, big, the best of the best start going to them. Why should I go into them as well? It's another way to look at it. That's it, isn't it? It's kind of like following the footsteps of the giants. And uh, if you can see that they're not doing it, then yeah, why aren't you? What's your reasons behind it? And it, I think you're right. It's like I have a few friends that invested in uh, Airbnb, uh, even though they're they're up at the moment. Their shares are. Up. I like that they invest in it. I think because it was it was properly hyped. Um, and I think Sam from Free Trade, uh, we keep plugging Free Trade in this call, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we do, it's just a great, it's just a great product, yeah, just it, a really it, good product. It uh, is. I should get them to sponsor this podcast, I might reach that out. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, Sam from Free Trade calls them meme stocks, doesn't he? So, uh, yeah, it's like when it's kind of circling around the internet, people don't know what they're really talking about or doing, and uh. Yeah, that's when these just get hyped and people just buy them, and you know, there's no education or no reason behind it. It's like, oh, I'm buying it because my mate down the pub said it's going to be the next big thing. But you know, sometimes it pays off, but sometimes it doesn't. What was the one that Deliveroo? I mean, that was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been shocking as Deliveroo. Um, it's been, it was another one where they've really, really hyped it up. Uh, basically, being. Uh, the tech darling of London. Um, there's been quite a few companies who are going to be listed on London, trying to get London as a tech, you know, a place for tech companies to list. And delivery was meant to be a bit of a, what is it? What's the word? 
a flagship IPO where yeah. they meant to list really highly. But essentially, what people thought they were going to be listed for just wasn't realistic. The delivery was another company which has never made profit in its history, it's making big losses. The business model is pretty unproven. Um, so, yeah, it's essentially heavily marketed. And it was actually, um, the news came out about Goldman Sachs actually bought shares to push the price up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which is unbelievable. Of, uh, just, yeah, yeah. Typical of the big big guys, that isn't it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um because they they'll have done that because they thought it was gonna absolutely rally and then they'd maybe get out. But it just shows that yeah, nice. No, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty mad. Um and one thing which is quite bad is so the li- people who who use the delivery well got the opportunity to buy shares first. Um if you ordered on Deliveroo at least once, you will have received an email saying, oh, you could buy shares on Deliveroo before IPOs. All of those people who bought shares will be down on money now. So that's something I don't quite agree with. I think if you're interested in investing, I think, don't get me wrong, financial education needs to be more free. I 100% agree with that. 100% does, and investing does. But people who use the Deliveroo app, I don't think we should be getting sent like an in-app message or an email saying, oh, can, do you want to invest in Deliveroo? Because someone who isn't, you know, financially educated might think, oh, this is fantastic. Let's put a few hundred quid on. And they'll, they'll have seen, all oh, right, it's, got, it's half now. So, yeah. Sorry, I've gone on a yeah. bit of a rant there. No, no. <laughs> Lewis, I love, your, I love your rants. They're always welcome. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> to be honest, mate, I think that was a... I got, that must have been some expensive chicken and chips for some people. <laughs> no, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I just think it's a bit sad. Like, don't be wrong; it's great about they want the customers to invest and stuff. But I think, in some ways, it, it, I, you could say that they're taking advantage, but, but it doesn't really matter if those ten thousand people or whatever invested, because they're getting the big, the, yeah. the, the big dogs' money to invest. But I still think it's quite sad because. Um, you know, ordinary people have lost money on shares when they wouldn't have done it in the first place. So, yeah, because you're sending anyway. it out to people. Uh, just yeah, just briefly on this, you are sending out to so many people that use the app that have zero education, even about their own their own finances. So yeah, I guess that was I don't know. I don't know if that was a good considered a good move or a bad move, but yeah, I'll keep my opinion to myself on that one probably. Um, but yeah, so. Going back, actually, just because you said you Coinbase IPO, Coinbase was a big one. Obviously, crypto's talk of the town at the moment, isn't it? So, yeah, what was your thoughts on the Coinbase IPO? Yeah, I think it's a very big move for the crypto space. Um, I think it's showing that crypto is becoming the mainstream, uh, which I personally think it is becoming the mainstream and it will over the next coming years. Um, The valuation of Coinbase is absolutely, it's pretty crazy. Um, one thing with Coinbase is their results are very in line with the performance of Bitcoin and Ethereum. So their revenues are going to be very much in line with what happens with them cryptos. But then what, what we're going to see is, let's say if we see a collapse in the Bitcoin or Ethereum price or the crypto in general, which it does happen, you know, crypto is absolutely vol- really, really volatile. It goes up and down. If Bitcoin crashes, Coinbase stock will just crash as well. It'll be very interlinked, so that's another factor. Um, you've got to take into consideration because if Bitcoin goes in half today, what's going to happen to Coinbase's stock? It's most likely going to go in half. Yeah. Um, so it's very interlinked. It's going to be a very weird stock, is that one? Um, of course, yeah. it's a stock and it's a company, but that performance it could mirror the Bitcoin um, chart weirdly. So 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, that's actually, I think it's a very, it's a first of its kind, isn't it? In terms of its mirror, like it's a, it's an asset mirroring another asset. Uh, well, I suppose it's kind of like physical cold and, and ETH. Yeah, it's like gold miners. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like gold miners, um, gold producers. Their stock price basically mirrors the price of gold yeah. in some ways quite often. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, so with, with regards to cryptocurrency, I won't go too much into it on, on this episode, but uh, so you, I know you hold a bit of Bitcoin, but do you hold any any other coins at all? Um, so I'm still just into Bitcoin. Um, I got into crypto. Um, I, well, I bought Bitcoin in March 2020 um, after the, I call it the, the Corona crash. Um, but I was learning about Bitcoin a year before that. So I first, I thought Bitcoin was just a scam. Honestly, I thought crypto was just a load of rubbish. I just yeah. thought it was funny into it, money. Did I was one all- of those people. <laughs> and then and then I was like right okay I'm going to educate myself on this so I read the white paper which is online um, yeah. Satoshi Nakamoto's yeah. paper and then I read various bits to get me into it a few YouTube videos and then I read the Bitcoin Standard by Safety and Amos. yeah oh I'm Honestly, currently reading that at the moment it's fantastic so far it's a fantastic book and what I like about it is most of it's not even on Bitcoin the, the vast majority of the book is on the history of money and, mm. and that's one reason it, it, it really opened my eyes. It went, that book goes on to the history of money from, you know, people using seashells and then using, um, using like coins, gold, silver, yep. and how silver went away because it wasn't scarce enough. Then it goes on to the monetary, modern monetary system. Well, again, it's a bit complicated, um, but it just goes on to explain what money is and then it showcases Bitcoin and explains what it's about. Um, I think, yeah, after reading that and after, you know, after Bitcoin collapsed in March 2020, like all assets basically did, decided to buy in and been in it since then. So, yeah, I think we've just been dollar cost averaging. Yeah, dollar cost averaging in and just watching it go up, (laughs) which has been a bit mad. Um, I also have my Bitcoin in a in a BlockFi account, so I'm earning interest in my Bitcoin, which is quite nice. Yeah, likewise. So, yeah, just compound it. Yeah. Just hold it for long term. That's that's um, it, mate. Yeah. You know what? It and I will. I'm going to say this for the record as well, and I'm pretty sure you're going to agree with me on this one. Um, if it was to crash tomorrow, and I was to, let's say, for instance, hypothetically, I've got 500 quid in Bitcoin. If it was to go to a pound tomorrow, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. That pound would stay in there. Um, me too. I, I just keep just yeah. I, I think I think it will go back up anyway. I think there will be another, there's a crash, another crash imminent. And where I get that from is um, trusted sources who who have been in the crypto space for five, six, seven plus years. And they all think there's a crash coming. Um, I don't know how they can foresee it, but I trust what they're saying. Um, and I've kind of read, Bitcoin, read about Bitcoin. I've been educating myself and it goes through cycles. The same as like property market, stock, stock market. You go through cycles, there's crashes all the time. So, you know, that kind of backs up what other people are saying. So, you know, it, there is, there's knowledge in there in, in that answer for sure. Um, but yeah, hold for the long term. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, just hold it for the long term. Um, I personally think we're, it will hit a peak in December. Um, looking at the previous highs and patterns, 
and yeah, it, it will drop. But like, like you said, I I put hundred pounds into Bitcoin in March twenty twenty, and I've just dollar cost averaged in and dollar cost averaged and holding. That's all I'm doing. Like like you say, if if it drops in half, then it is what it is. So you've just got to separate your emotion away from it and you're holding it because you think it's going to appreciate value over the long term and you think it's going to be something that we use or a storage of value. Because my view on Bitcoin is I'm viewing it a bit similar to gold. You know, people hold gold as a store of value. It's been proven over thousands of years. That's why I own some, I own 5% in gold. That's my aim. And that's one of my aims is to hold 5% in gold. Uh, then my aim is to hold 10% in Bitcoin. Um, because I think they're going to be a reliable source of value into the future, um, especially with all the money printing going on. Mm. And that's the main reason I'm holding them assets. Um, I have a bit of a different take on Bitcoin because a lot of people are buying it to get on the hype and, and all that. But I'm generally, after reading it, reading about it and educating, I'm generally holding it as a storage of value, just like people have you know, bought and hold gold for, for a very long time. Yeah, it's, it's almost like digital gold, isn't it? Even though there is actually digital gold that you can buy from the Royal Mint, this is like equivalent to the digital gold. But yeah, I think I'll be looking into it more where I'm looking to invest for the short term on, on a few of the altcoins myself when I've done a bit more research uh, and education on it. But for Bitcoin, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a store of wealth. I'll be dollar cost averaging and it's a, it's, it's a hedge against inflation at the end of the day. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, so which brings me on to tips for getting started then so you mentioned so we'll start with the tip that you've just mentioned actually so a tip that i would always say is um it's not the first tip within investing but it's definitely a powerful one is yeah don't get emotional investing um only put only put them put money in what you can afford to lose and take emotion out of it it's all logical isn't it yeah, it's all about taking calculated risks. Um, it's all about taking your emotions, putting them in a box, and you know, taking them out again when you're not looking at your investments. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's kind of one thing I had to do because there was a point. Um, there was a point where I was looking at my phone all the time. Like honestly, I was just looking at my investments all the time, and I was obsessed. Whereas now, I actually I don't even view my holdings each week. It's maybe fortnightly. Um, so I've got myself to a stage where I don't look at prices all the time. Um, there was a stage where I was like that. Everyone goes through it. Um, I can imagine people getting started. There's been a lot of people who have gone to invest over the past year. Um, and yeah, I think one thing I would say is if you get into it, take baby steps. Um, if you're interested in a certain stock or something. So, so let's say on free trade, you're interested in a certain stock. You can buy two pounds worth of a stock. Like you can do that. It's not something I'd do, but if you want to get a feel what it's like to own a stock, you know, buy a stock for two pounds and just see how 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 does your head react to that going up and down, however little much we've invested, because it, it's a big deal. Could you, if you have you know however much you can afford to invest, that money, you say you don't want to use it in the next uh, five to ten years. You want to invest that money. What are you going to do if that just drops 20% the next day? Because in, in March, it got it dropped down from the peak to the trough like 35%. If that happens, mentally, can you, you know, can you do that? Can you cope with that? Um, so that's one thing I say, you know, learn how to learn how to keep your emotions in check. 
Um, Self-education is absolutely massive. So much resources out there right now, online, YouTube, um, podcasts, um, the internet. Uh, there's obviously books as well, audiobooks. I'm actually starting to prefer audiobooks to physical books because I can listen to audiobooks whilst doing other things mm. or exercising. So there's so many resources. And just become a knowledge sponge. That's one thing I've just become a sponge of knowledge. Yeah. A knowledge sponge. Absorb everything you can and squeeze out every so often the rubbish bits, but just keep on, you know, keep absorbing as much knowledge from different areas as you can. And you should, you, you will improve. You will improve if you keep on absorbing knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, top top three books then on on how to get educated in in, in the stock market and investing. Um, I'm going to go with the classic, so Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, for anyone who doesn't have a, like a financial mindset, that's a fantastic book to go with. Um, How to Own the World by Andrew Craig. It's oh, a great overview. Brilliant book. Fantastic. Awesome book, yeah. Different asset classes. How, you know, you should be investing around the world. Oh, really, really good and e- easy to read as well. Um, and then in terms of let's do an individual stock pickers one, uh, there's a book called Warren Buffett and the Interpretation of Financial Statements. Um, it's quite a short book. Um, it's got, I think it's about 200 pages, but it's got 50 chapters. So each chapter is about four pages long, but it basically goes through each ratio Warren Buffett uses when he invests. invests. And that's one thing I have adapted and have done to my four pillars. And that book, it breaks everything down very, very easily um, for individual stock pickers. So, yeah. That's a good one as well. Spot on, yeah. Fantastic book recommendations there, Lewis. Nice one for that. Cool. So this is uh, come to the part of the show where it's random and question time. It's everyone's favourite time. Uh, so I'm going to start something a bit different. Tell me an interesting fact about yourself. Interesting facts. Um, I am... I have a black belt in karate. Um, what? I'm a first down in karate. <laughs> yeah, fun fact. <laughs> I may <didn't> expect that. <laughs> I know I did not. Um, I better be careful when I come around your house then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I passed my black belt when I was 16. Um, wow. I'm trained in karate for long, quite a while, but I still did it, passed my black belt. So, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I, I reckon you're a bit of a dark horse because I mean, like you, you go to festivals and listen to to house music and techno. But like when I look at you, you're like <laughs> you're like this Financial Times stock investor, and I'm like, nah, this is this. You've got a twin brother or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know I have some fun. I, I can be very serious with the things, but I know I have yeah. some fun as well. I like to yeah. go through. I like to go out and enjoy myself, including yeah. festivals. So. Well, that's important. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, speaking of festivals, then number question number two: What is your favourite alcoholic drink? Ooh, Ooh that's a really good question. I'm gonna have to go over. Uh... Like, so tough. I like I like a whiskey at like the very end of the night. And I'm just sipping a nice whiskey, but I can't. In the summer, I love a good ice cold pint of a good quality beer. Um, I, I like Brewdog, of course, but I like all sorts of craft beers. Um, so yeah, let's say a nice cold pint of lager, yeah, Guinness, nice. IPA, anything like that. I like. Yeah. I'm, I'm really up for that. Yeah, love it. Nice. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't been to a, a beer garden just yet, but 
I think one's brewing, brewing sooner. <laughs> so yeah, by the, time, by the time this goes out, maybe, maybe I would have had one already. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cool. And uh, yeah, finally then, um, name something that grinds your gears. Hmm. What what grinds what, what grinds my gears? IPOs. <laughs> IPO, IPO. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to think what what absolutely grabs my gears. Um, bad drivers. Oh, interesting. I get mad in the car. Are you an angry driver? <laughs> well, I'm not. I get I get angry if someone's been a, you know what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> someone's been an idiot in, in. If someone's been an idiot in the car, I, I, I like a good. I like a good shout in the car. But yeah, that's something bad driving. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah. Does, does grab my gears a bit. Yeah, I love asking people that that question because we get all sorts. We've had uh, we've had things like people get annoyed at people that get annoyed when they get annoyed at things dropping on the floor. <laughs> so yeah, like if there's a little water spillage and people get annoyed at that, then uh, the the guest got annoyed at people getting annoyed at that. So and then we've had someone that like literally I asked them the question and before I even finished the sentence, they just shouted cyclists. <laughs> so I was like, well, <laughs> you really hate cyclists. So I apologize to any uh, cyclists out there. <laughs> but uh that awesome, Louis. So yeah, just to wrap things up then, uh, how can people get in touch with you and where can they find your content? Yes, yeah, so- uh yeah, you can find me at lewishaddinginvest.com. That's my website. And then on all the platforms, it's Lewis Harding Invest. Um, apart from Twitter, which is Lewis Hates Invest, because you can't get the username long enough, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, you can find me on all the main social media platforms. And I'm really focusing my time on the YouTube channel at the minute, um, trying to you know, put a really good content on value. Um, something I have recently just started is my newsletter for Harding Herald. Um, so yeah, you can find it on my website as well. So I really, I'm really pushing um, on YouTube and my newsletter. Excellent. Yeah. So head over there, folks. I'll put all the uh, the links in the description and the show notes. Fantastic, Lewis. Lewis, obviously, you have been such an awesome guest. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and uh, talking about all things stock market. I love it. Cheers, Shane. Thank you very much. Charles, come on again in a, in a few months' time. I'd absolutely love to. Yeah, definitely, mate. We'll definitely get you back on and uh, we'll see how your investment's doing and uh yeah we'll get you back on as well when you're a, when you're a millionaire as well and you've you're in the billions with, with buffett you're, you're in the league <laughs> we'll soon see won't we <laughs> yeah definitely all right fantastic folks so that's been another episode of the all right talk show uh don't forget to head over to my youtube channel um shane trainer the all right investor give it a subscribe like hit the notification bell all that malarkey subscribe to the show leave a review all them nice things so yep we'll see you soon with another fantastic guest ciao for now